you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Foss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. Uh, as always, we bring you the smartest people in the land and hope you guys are doing well. We just launched a new Facebook group where uh, there's about, well, it's actually the group's been there a long time. We just started using the new Facebook chat. If you will, you may have gotten some messenger invites from Facebook to all sorts of groups you belong to going, what the hell is going on? But we figured it'd be a great innovation because we can make it so that people come chat about the show during, during, after, uh, before, uh, and we could just talk about things in the show, guests that came on and different things. So if you get a chance, uh, subscribe to that. Uh, you don't even have to subscribe. You just join up if you're on Facebook. Go to chrisvossfacebook.com. Uh, of course, uh, refer the family show to your uh, everybody you know. Uh, go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and Chris Foss one on the tickety talkity as well. Uh, we have an amazing young lady on the show today. She's going to be talking to us about her journey and everything that went into it and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, let's uh, take a look at that. It's Katie Wrigley. Uh, she is a transformational coach. A uh, what? Do, how do I pronounce this uh, correctly, Katie? A cogno movement? You got it. Yep. Perfect. Cogno movement practitioner. This is why we do the show, so we can learn new stuff every day. And she's going to be talking to us about all the stuff that she does and how she does does it uh she is a transformational coach who uses the cogno movement within her coaching sessions to help her clients transform their trauma and pain after experiencing her own debilitating pain levels which rendered her disabled in 2018 she knows firsthand how limiting trauma and pain can be so she created a system to make it faster and easier to change your state of pain and release the trauma using principles taught to her by her wellness coach, coupled with the Cogno movement and extensive research around how pain is created in the body, she's now developed a unique method that allows fast relief from symptoms of chronic conditions by tapping into the nervous system through the physical body. Welcome to the show, Katie. How are you? I'm doing well, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for coming. Give us your dot-coms. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebs? KatieWrigley.com. There you go. Uh, so, Katie, give us a 30,000 overview of, of what this Cogno movement is. We're learning new words today and uh, how you apply it and how you do your work. So, Cogno movement uses this ball for those who are watching and not just listening. Uh, right. For those listening, it looks like a psychedelic-looking soccer ball. Oh, uh, wow. It is purposely designed, though. So, the brain, the left side of the brain, lights up at these complex shapes and the bright colors the right side lights up and activates because it's a 3D object. Mm -hmm. So through a bunch of body movements and eye movements, we start to shift energy low to high and we go deep into the neurology. And as we're doing that, because of the way we're moving and a bunch of the different principles that are within cognitive movement, there's a lot of NLP, EFT, 
Uh, there's EMDR. I've heard it called EMDR and crack for people who have done both. Uh, it uses those principles plus its own modality and its own uniqueness on top of that. And we actually activate all three learning centers in the body, auditory, visual, and kinesthetic. So what this means is as we're creating a new neural pathway, which happens anytime we're learning something new, the body can automatically reorganize itself under that new neural pathway much faster and easier and pretty much just goes. It's, it's incredible wow. what can happen just in one session. That is pretty freaking awesome. And so people can, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, we talk a lot about trauma on the show, uh, childhood trauma. There seems to be a lot of it. There's, uh, yeah. you know, different things like, uh, there's different things like, uh, uh, PTSD and all sorts of other things that can happen to people, uh, that can traumatize them. And so by using that, that, uh, you can, you can help people, uh, maybe overcome it better, faster, et cetera. Yep, absolutely. So I was introduced to cognitive movement when I was awaiting neurosurgery on my back. I never actually had to have that surgery. Oh, wow. And I was actually told I was going to need three surgeries total. I haven't had any of them. Oh, and wow. I'm able to sleep again. I'm able to have a normal functioning life. My relationships look better. So I'm proof of how well this works. And I have several clients who are proof as well. And then the creators, of course, Bill McKenna and Liz Larson, the things that they're doing at their level are just, it's nothing short of miracles. It's absolutely blows my mind on a daily basis, Chris, like what can happen from a psychedelic looking soccer ball when utilized properly. It almost reminds me of the, what was that ball from the, uh, uh, Mel or the Tom Hanks movie? The Wilson. <laughs> the Wilson. It's like a Wilson ball. There you go. So what, what, uh, what got you into this realm? Tell us a little about your journey and, uh, and, got, and what got you into coaching for this. So I was in corporate for 24 some odd years and somewhere in there, I got introduced to this incredible little boy who had a brain tumor. I was a skydiver at the time. Long story short, we were, our drop zone became the first drop zone to legally keyword, get the kid into the air without the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And that mm -hmm. process made me realize, like, and I was in cybersecurity when I was in corporate, great, I can clean out someone's inbox, but I wasn't touching people deeply enough, and I don't mean that in a perverted way, but sure. I wasn't touching people deeply enough to feel like that was a fulfilling enough job for me. So I started to look into coaching, and then through my own life experience, wound up specializing in pain and trauma as I got in my own mess that I had created in my own life series of really bad decisions that culminated over years. And actually it all stemmed from an early childhood trauma and my denial of that trauma for 40 years. So I had a hell of a mess to clean up okay. by the time I started facing it. So I learned a lot fast and now I can turn around and I can help other people who have gotten themselves into similar situations to be able to get out a lot faster as well. That's definitely key. That's definitely key. So, uh, when, when trauma releases, does it take a lot of sessions? Does it, is it, uh, is it something where do people need to use the ball, buy the ball and utilize it? It depends. So we can shift a lot in one session. If you mm -hmm. have a longstanding trauma and I work with first responders, I work with veterans, there's wow. going to be layers when you're talking about people who are in chronic stress, chronic traumatic situations, mm -hmm. like the stats that first responders go through are just off the hook. It's like 500 to a thousand traumatic events just in their career. That oh, doesn't wow. count what happens in their personal life. So when you get into a situation like that, we're not going to wipe that out in one session. So mm -hmm. 
we tend to take it at whatever pace that person wants to go, depending on what their nervous system can handle. And I work from there, but it is usually more than one session. I do teach people how to do this on their own. I have a YouTube channel so they can do mini sessions when I can't have a session with them. So I, I don't want people to think they need me forever. They only need me for a temporary amount of time. And then they can do this on their own to continue to maintain their wellness and their health going forth without my interference. There you go. I it's it's uh, something that uh, people suffer from. You and and you say it helps with fibromyalgia, uh, CRPS, complex regional pain syndrome, slipped and bolding discs, and unrelenting chronic nerve pain and weakness in limbs. Uh, so are all these different things. I never heard of complex regional pain syndrome, CP, CRPS. Tell us about that, and I guess how trauma turns into pain in the body and translates into pain in the body? That's a good question. So I, I want to be clear with my wording. It's symptoms of fibromyalgia, symptoms of CRPS. Okay. There's very specific guidelines on, on how to mention that from my own perspective on there. So complex regional pain syndrome, I was diagnosed with that myself after a knee replacement. And what it basically means is that one limb or your whole body, depending on how severe it is, has become hyperreactive to pain. It changes colors it gets to a point where it can't even really handle touch. Like there was one point where if someone had grabbed me too hard, like I would be bruised mm. and they hadn't actually impacted me all that much in there. Um, the body is always talking and it's always giving us messages. So one of the biggest mindset shifts that we can do is to start to look at pain, not as punishment, not as the end game, not as something you have to put up with, but as messages from your body. So oh. all of those events that we experience, only 10% of the brain is actually conscious. The other 90% is below the surface. So until you feel all that crap that's under the surface, mm -hmm. your body can manifest that in an experience of physical pain. It can manifest it in an autoimmune disease. It can manifest it in some other kind of chronic condition. And so until those emotions are felt, they're dealt with, the body knows you're listening and the subconscious trusts you enough to let go of the pain signal, it can come up as pain, chronic pain, unrelenting, fibromyalgia, all of those other things in there that can be incredibly difficult to live with day to day. Definitely. You know, I, I, they, they, it's interesting how the pain translates into the, or, or trauma and mental uh, issues translate into the uh, into the body and and like you said have, have using it as a signal for hey something's maybe wrong you know a lot of times we've talked about this on the show a lot of times doctors kind of treat the pain part and they just go up oh, here's take two aspirin and fix me and call me in the morning and while that may take care of the immediate pain or i think a lot of um aspirin just basically turns off your receptors to where you're just not feeling it anymore uh <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong but right but basically, you know, the pain's still there. And until you fix the underlying issue that's causing the pain, you know, it's kind of like if you keep stepping on a nail, you know, sure, you can take two aspirin, but if you keep stepping on the nail, you know, you're still going to have a problem. You got to quit stepping on the nail or whatever is creating the pain in your body in, in, a, in a crude sort of uh, uh, illustration there. That's a really great analogy, actually. And I just made it up. So <laughs> it's a pretty good one. And you're, you're right. And so when we take something like Advil or Tylenol or something like that, we're not actually treating it like, yes, there could be an anti-inflammatory effect temporarily. There's mm -hmm. some data that supports that every time we take something like that, we actually delay the body's own natural healing by about 50%. 
Um, I don't know those sources off the top of my head, but I've come across that in my research in there. And you're right. It's getting to that root issue of what's in there. That's where we dissolve it for good. Like it would have been really easy for me to say I was just a bad skydiver because I was, that was the short story, Mm -hmm. but things would have lined up differently. And if it had only been physical, then all of the things that I was doing to fix it physically would have worked versus nothing working and running out of options. And then me going, okay, this sucks. I'm looking down a life of disability. I don't have very much energy. This is not going to scale for another 30, 40 years. I have to figure something else out. And Mm -hmm. thank God I found a coach that was very, just absolutely incredible. And one of the first things she did was plant a seed that we all have what we need within ourselves already to heal. It's just a matter of learning how to tap into it. Mm -hmm. and going that course and it takes longer to go that course than it does to take some advil but you are going to get longer healing when you're willing to start to learn to talk to your body understand the messages it's giving you and release those pain signals learning to listen to your body as opposed to just kind of trying to remedy or or kind of medicate uh the the results you're getting um, can probably make all the difference in, in your life. Um, when you say it's fast for cognitive movement, cognitive movement, um, what's that in comparison to? Like what, like maybe just going and seeing a therapist and being like, well, "Who hurt you? Why didn't your mom love you enough?" <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's faster than any other modality I've heard of so far. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean something else may not do that, but this mm-hmm. goes deeper than anything else. I know we're going directly into the neurology. Typically someone is focusing on a physical sensation and they can unravel it pretty quickly. So I've used EFT as a modality. I've had faster response with cognitive movement. I've done talk. I did talk therapy for 13 years. Oh, wow. That did very, very little other than teach me how to tell stories really well. It didn't touch anything. It was once I got into the coaching side, once I got into cognitive movement, then I started to move the stuff I went to therapy for for 13 years. Mm-hmm. So it's and any time that you're going deep into the body and you're talking to the body, it's mm-hmm. going to be faster than sitting there with talk therapy. And a lot of talk therapy, depending on the style, can actually keep the person stuck in the trauma. Oh, wow. And so every time they go in there, whenever you're telling a story again, your brain goes back into it like you're in it right now. So that can continue to re-trigger you. If you don't have a therapist that knows how to move you forward, who's not trauma-informed, you could mm-hmm. wind up stuck there and just inadvertently re-traumatizing yourself week after week every time you see this therapist. And that's where things like EMDR started to come from. That's where things like cognitive movement started to come out of as well is finding other ways to be able to break that part with different like bilateral movements, different pieces like that, that we incorporate in there. Movement is a huge way that we have available to all of us to be able to get trauma out of the body. Yeah. It's really wild how, um, you know, I've even seen people that uh, if they have sadness um, where a child dies and they go into massive depression and they die of cancer three to six months later. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how we can take stuff and turn into sickness in our body and, and, uh, and, and have an effect and, and store it there, I guess, or it really comes down to it. Absolutely. And I actually worked with a father who had unfortunately lost a young child in a fluke accident. Mm -hmm. And 
had the honor of being able to help him smile again and experience joy again mm-hmm. and be able to reconnect with his daughter that was still alive and his wife again. So that was incredible to get to have that experience. Not that he had, it was awful what he went through, but to be Mm -hmm. able to be a part of facilitating someone being able to experience joy again. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the clients that I'm the most proud of being a part of because it made such a huge impact in his life. And it was, like I said, such an honor to be able to be that person to help him move forward from that horrible, horrible accident. There you go. Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, you see so many people that have some of these ailments. Um, and it, it's interesting to know that there's pain stored in the body, complex regional pain syndrome. So I guess people just kind of store this wherever, wherever, I don't know, it, 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 what it, uh, remedies itself or it finds itself, I, I guess. What makes chronic pain so complex? Why is it complex? Because it's, it's not just the physical. There's going to be emotional pieces in there, too. So the way that pain is created, it's we have receptors all over our body, and it's coming up to the brain. And so that path between where the receptors are reporting pain in that brain, that starts to get kind of worn down. So it mm-hmm. actually impacts the gray matter in your brain, and you lose 11% of the gray matter when you've been in pain. And chronic pain is defined as unrelenting for six, three to six months. So you've been in pain for a decade, you've probably lost 11% of the gray matter in your head. That's going to equate to 10 to 20 years of aging. Wow. So there's, you've got the subconscious mind, you've got the unconscious mind. It takes a while for the subconscious mind to trust that it can Mm -hmm. let go of that pain signal. Like I have one client whose subconscious mind doesn't trust her to be healthy yet. Wow. And so anytime she starts a new treatment, Two to three days later, her body doubles down and levels her again. And so she's wow. found what works for her is a mix of homeopathy and cognitive movement. And I've created a couple of videos, especially for her, that she uses as a mantra. And she mm. had reported back that it was starting to help her feel like herself again after some of the things that she's experienced. Mm-hmm. And there's, and it's because of that emotional component in there. And traditional medicine or modern medicine doesn't really touch on that. It's the, here are the pharmaceuticals and here, why don't we throw in an antidepressant so that you feel better mentally? Because when your mood goes up, your pain will go down. I understand why they do that, but we're still just cranking it up pharmaceutically. We're not getting to the root and having that person actually feel better through natural means, like time in the sun, like taking healthier supplements, like walking Mm -hmm. in nature if they're able to walk. Little things like that can really give a big boost. Watching comedy, watching your podcast is going to help people actually start to feel better when they're laughing because it's going to be inducing all these hormones in their head. Yeah. And so I mean, give us something to laugh at because otherwise the rest of the show is just painful to watch. If you, <laughs> if you watch the YouTube version of me, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not that painful to watch. <laughs> I agree. I love your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, flattery will get you everywhere. Uh, the, uh, so this is really interesting. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about trauma over the years, PTSD, people storing uh, their issues. Um, yeah. Have you found that using the ball in, in, in this cognitive uh, movement sort of way um, that you, you can, um, like people, you know, some people have uh, kind of hidden trauma. Like maybe they've blocked out stuff from childhood and stuff like that. In fact, we had someone on who was talking about trauma recently, and they said one of the reasons people bury their trauma or hide it or, or you know, kind of mask it from their memory is they're 
their body can't deal with it at that time and place. And then mm -hmm. when they reach an age to where they can deal with it again, or they're kind of adult enough and their body, their memory or the brain or whoever's in charge there says, uh, Hey, I think you can handle this now. Why don't you try this on for size? And it brings back those kind of repressed memories. Do you find that maybe um, this sort of modality helps with that? It helps to find things for sure. Mm. So I actually finally faced my trauma in a psychedelic ceremony like a year and a half or so before I was introduced to cognitive movement. Mm -hmm. But I have continued to find pieces of it that I had forgotten with mm. the ball. So there's oh. there's with the eye movement piece, like we're really cranking those eyes in positions we literally never have them in. And that's wow. accessing place cells in the brain that are storing all these memories that are connected to these sensations in your body. So your subconscious mm -hmm. has recorded every single thing that has happened to you from the time that you were conscious in your mother's womb up until today. Wow. You're only conscious of 10%. Even the things that you do every day, they are led by these patterns. A lot of times that happened to us as a kid, something mm -hmm. as innocuous as your sibling gets a popsicle and you didn't can actually read into I'm not lovable enough and set off a slew of bad decisions in your dating life. Wow. Like it can be that small. And we have no way to remember that we aren't just going to sit there and be like, okay, what happened to me when I was six? And then you review the year six without any help to walk you through that and help connect it. You're not just going to go back to the age six and walk through that timeline consciously. None of us have that ability to do that. Unless, sure. maybe you're six unless you get a time machine, right? Right. Yeah. If we had a time machine, of course, but we never know how these patterns are going to show up. Mm -hmm. And it's only once we, get into the pattern, which is what we're looking at with cognitive movement. That's like, Oh, that's where that came from. Ah. And then now it's like, okay, do I want to keep this or do I want to get rid of it? And most of the time we want to get rid of it. Yeah. It's amazing. We're so resilient as mm -hmm. beings that we, and it's never conscious and it's usually not rational or logical, <laughs> these patterns either. Like no one actually wants to continue to get in their own way to find a life partner. No one consciously wants to do that. Mm -hmm. That's coming from something that's making you take actions. That's going to prevent that from being something you have in your life. There you go. Uh, yeah. It, it, uh, it, it, identifying this stuff and unbearing it. And this explains kind of why people are, um, are stuck in, Oh, what would you call it? They're stuck in therapy for years. You're like, you've been in therapy for like 10 years. Um, do you, uh, you know, when are you going to get out? Right. 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 People are like, when, when do you, when do you uh, get out of there? Uh, do you, do you, is there, is there a time where you're, you know, you're over it and, uh, you know, and this, this kind of tells, um, what people can do. So how, when people work with you, how do you help them? Uh, how do people reach out to you and onboard with you, uh, and, and, uh, go through the process, I guess. So I like to have a call first. So I do 45 minute virtual chats mm -hmm. and get very clear on what are the biggest problems right now? How big of a problem is it for that person? Really spend a lot of time listening. What are they aware of? What are they not aware of? I can pick up on a lot on that call, figure mm -hmm. out like what are their energy levels? You know, everybody's nervous system is going to be different. Some people you can really push. Others cannot be pushed. Like the client I mentioned who does homeopathy and cognitive movement, she cannot be pushed. She mm -hmm. needs to go at a much slower pace 
that's what her nervous system can handle. So, and sometimes it takes a session or two for me to figure it out. But so far intuitively, I've been able to say, okay, I think this is how many sessions you need. We start walking through that. I can work in person if they're in the state of Maine, or I can work virtually and we go through it together and we touch base all the time. So I check in the day after a session, I make myself available in between sessions and we continue to go down that path. We get very clear on what the problems are, how big they are, like I said, and we continue to monitor that, that progress over time and measure the after effect. How helpful was this? What things have changed in your life? Like, for instance, there is an officer that I work with who comes in to do what he calls tune-ups sometimes. Oh, really? And wow. one of the things that he reported to me was he started to dream again since he started to work with me. And that's one of the signs of trauma is when you stop dreaming or you have recurring nightmares or insomnia. Those can all be symptoms that are pointing to something really disturbing your subconscious that's not allowing you to sleep. Oh. And so... Yeah, so it's little things like that, like, oh, maybe there's something bothering Signals, me. yeah. Yes, lots of signals. And it could be something else. Like, mm-hmm. I've exhausted all of the things physically, and turns out I've got an environmental issue that I'm going to be dealing with as well. Oh, wow. Because of all the work I've done, I'm sleeping between seven and eight hours a night every night. I'm highly functional. I have high amounts of energy. It's just not sustainable outside of what I need to do. And so, but now it makes sense. Like, oh, I've got a whole bunch of crap in my house that's making me, <laughs> trying to make me sick. Like, good yeah. job, body, that you didn't get there. But yeah, yeah. but uh, there's always indicators there. It's that we tend not to look at it like anxiety. Is that a diagnosis or is it a symptom? Mm. You know, it, and and it sounds like you spend a lot of time helping people listen to their body more than just trying to, you know, placate it with some drugs and be like, hey, here's some aspirin or some vodka or, you know, <laughs> where the case is. Have fun with that. Um, just to deal with it. Um, it. It sounds like you really help people get down into um, the depths of it where they can see more of what's going on and listen to our bodies more. And that's really what we should do more of. I mean, we, we kind of ignore so much stuff we just go okay whatever deal with it blah 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 yep well that's what we're told to do i mean how many times as kids especially in gen x were we told to suck it up or rub some dirt on it and keep going yeah that's pretty much my whole life story right right, there. <laughs> right. that's most of us especially in gen x like that's what we were told we weren't stopped to go hey you know maybe the fact that you continue to have anxiety hey maybe there's something going on <laughs> that you're having trouble facing and it's it's always amazes me. Like when I start to feel that myself, it's like, all right, I know I've got something here I don't want to face. And I know Mm -hmm. that I'm going to feel so much better on the other side of it. And so I'll explore it and break it apart because I'd much rather be able to face whatever's there. No Mm -hmm. one is going to lose their mind or make some irreversible act because they face their stuff. It's the resistance to it and the fear around it, that's the stuff that drives us crazy. That's the stuff that drives people to do things that they can't take back. When yeah. you face it, I don't know one person who's faced their stuff and been worse off for it. Like, I literally can't name anyone. I know a lot of people doing this work. Well, I've, I've referenced this in, a lot in the thing. I remember watching uh, Leaving Neverland with, uh, and, and it was a it was a movie about Michael Jackson and some uh, young boys. And I remember after there was a show with Oprah and there was a guy who uh, stood up and talked. He'd been molested by a police officer in his, in his town. Mm-hmm. I think he was an ex-NFL star. 
and he talked about how he kind of hidden away for so many years. It became a poison inside of him and a secret that he was holding. And the secret uh, he basically referenced was the poison that killed him or it was killing him. And uh, until he released it and got it out and talked about it and and uh, owned it and, and said, hey, this happened to me. I was a victim. Uh, he it just it would it was toxifying inside him and everything way that he would take to try and medicate for it. And so when he finally spoke his truth, uh, if that's the right term, uh, he found that he could finally heal. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're right. I think. You know, when we keep these toxins inside of us, they fester and they find ways of hiding inside the body and, and turning into these ugliness things. And um, until we release them, they're just, it's like a poison inside of you. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And there can be so much shame that's wrapped up in mm-hmm. in early childhood sexual abuse because the, the abusers tend to do something to make it even scarier or worse for you to be carrying that. Mm-hmm. Being able to share your story and face that, that is one of the most badass, courageous things anybody can do. Making sure you're sharing it with someone who is safe that you trust because it can do more damage if you finally have the courage to tell your story and it is someone who wants to one-up you on a trauma. I actually had that happen to me at one point. It was like, oh, nothing happened to you. What happened to me was so much worse. It's like... (laughs) Like, really? Are we really in a competition for whose life sucks more? Like, you can have it. Like, I I don't want to be in that game. There's a lot of victimhood competition or society going on. Yeah, and it's every trauma is a trauma is a trauma. They're big T traumas. They're little T traumas. They are all going to impact you. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're strong. It doesn't mean that because it wasn't as bad as what happened to someone else that it wasn't still bad for yeah. you. It's not a competition. It's like saying, no. uh, I, oh, you had one arm cut off? I had two, so I'm far worse, and I feel pain, and you don't. And you're like, not really. Not the, That's not really the way it works. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Like, of all the places to compete, the trauma yeah, arena like, is not, no. It's, it's, no. Calm down, people. Um <laughs> The uh, it's not a it's not a competition. There's no gold medal for this. Uh, in fact, if anything, um, you know, the gold medal is when everybody can heal and get better and and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, so, um, what what have we touched on? I know it's on your website. You've got a lot of different uh, indicators and stuff that uh, can help people uh, maybe know uh, how to listen to their body better or know if they should reach out to you for help. Yes. Do you want me to go into this? <laughs> uh, you want to tease out some key ones, maybe? Um, yeah. People that are out there listening going, I wonder if I have any of this hidden stuff might help them kind of go, oh, maybe that's what that is. So we, we already touched on the sleep, insomnia, not being able to fall asleep or stay asleep, or night terrors. Those tend to be big ones. Not having a dream state when that's minus taking things at night that make you not dream. That's kind of different. Um, not being able to sit still. Like if you're one of those people, it's like, I can't meditate. I can't sit still. That may be a sign your nervous system is overactive. Not being able to just sit and watch a TV show or read a book. You have to be doing something else at the same time. Mm. That can be another indicator. Chronic pain is another indicator. Constantly anxious or constantly stressed. Like you may take a normal situation and escalate it immediately because that's the only thing your mind knows how to do is to make it worst case scenario because that's oh, where you feel like you thrive. These can all be indicators that your nervous system is spun up 
and not functioning optimally for you. Uh, do you find that maybe, uh, have you tried helping children? I mean, there's a lot of children that have different trauma and, and uh, you know, they, they struggle in school because they're overreacting. They're, you know, I, I was a kid who had ADHD. Uh, you know, I had trouble focusing and everything else. Uh, anything like that? I do, actually. I have several kids that are clients. Uh, one has ADD, one has ADHD. Mm -hmm. they are, they're brothers. They've been getting along since I've started mm -hmm. to work with them. They're not fighting nearly as much. Um, the grades still kind of ebb and flow depending on how many sessions we've done, but overall mm -hmm. grades are higher. The kids are more cooperative. Wow. Uh, they're finding it. One of them suddenly said that math is easy, whereas wow. math was his nemesis before. Kids are incredibly easy with cognitive movement, actually. Talk about resilient people. The, the little miniature versions of us walking the planet out there. Kids are the most resilient. Um, one of my favorite clients is actually 10 years old. And she had hated her mom when she first came in to see me. And now she and her mom are buddy-buddy. They get along great. Her mom got her into a school that's a much better fit for her. She started playing guitar. She wants to have pets that have fur again because my dog Tangie comes in with me to sessions. And now she's oh, wow. German Shepherd. Um, so, and it's another kid I worked with. And this is an example of how fast it can get cleared out. Unfortunately, his father committed suicide oh, no. and his mom reported that in two sessions, he's back to being a normal kid again. Oh, wow. Well, that's just, uh, that's awesome, man. These, it, Cause yeah. it, the one thing about childhood trauma is you can carry it through a lifetime and you can see as you go through your whole life, you can see how it's impacted your relationships, your experiences. Uh, it, it can impact your whole life. And sometimes I, I guess it can end it um, if you're not careful. Um, or, you know, I imagine there's a lot of people maybe that are in prison or in other places where, um, you know, the childhood trauma of what they've gone through is, is uh, something that's really hurt them. Do you find, uh, do you find a lot of, I think it was interesting. You keep referencing first responders. Do you find they, they suffer from a lot of trauma and stuff, I guess, from what they, what they see? I mean, it's, they don't see the, all the, you know, the beautiful things in this world. They see the blood and the guts and some of the horror. They do. And the way our minds work, what you look for, you'll find. So if you're a police officer, you're constantly looking for the bad guy. Yeah. If you're an EMT, you're looking for things to go wrong. If you're a firefighter, you're looking for the fire. Yeah. You do that enough, you start to get spun up. And and I had been asked a lot, like, why did I want to focus on first responders? Because I'm, I'm not one myself. I've never been one. I, I don't have family that is. Mm -hmm. But I know what it's like to sit with trauma in your nervous system unchecked for decades. Yeah. And my nervous system used to be wired so similarly to how theirs are wired that I found that it was really easy to relate to that group. And mm -hmm. so that's where I really started to focus. I work with people who have chronic pain as well, who are not first responders, but that group specifically, that's the one that really just seemed to call to me. You know, even a couple of weeks ago, people probably saw in the news here that we had a mass shooting in Maine and it was about 20 miles from my house. Some of the officers I work with have been, were called in on it. There's going to be a ripple effect from that. That's going out to everybody because that's the first time that's happened in Maine. Wow. And so there's innocence yeah. lost. There's the people who were at the events that specifically were in close contact with the shooter. There's everybody who was on lockdown. There's, 
so many different levels in there. There's the police who had to clean up the scenes as a police who found the shooter. There's the one that's, that spent hours of their time trying to hunt him down before they found him. There's so much that can come out of one situation. And there's also still a stigma to talk about what's wrong or to humanize emotions that are normal for us to feel and allow ourselves to feel mm -hmm. when they're faced with those situations. Yeah. So the more people we have talking about this, the less stigma there is, the less shame that's around there and the less people, the less first responders are committing suicide. That is the leading cause of death with, with first responders right now is suicide. That is a hundred percent preventable and changeable. Yeah. Sadly, they said um, some of the people were so, you know, with these with these AR-15s and stuff, they're so, um, they're they're they you can't recognize them, so you have to fingerprint them or a DNA or something because yeah. their bodies are so destroyed. And having to witness something like that must just be of a whole new level of horror. I can't imagine. So thank God there are people that stand between us. I remember I had a friend who was doing. Uh, he just barely became an EMT ambulance uh guy right before covid and he went into covid and he said you can't believe what this is like and what we find you know and especially in new york city where the services were completely overwhelmed and they were finding people till later um and you know since no one was you know was showing up to work people weren't missed and so they would find people that had, had passed away uh, for some time um and uh it was just just a horror show and of course on top of everything else that uh, emts deal with so i imagine there's a lot of stuff that's interesting i've never really thought about that we've talked a lot you know we've had different military people on the show talked about what they went through with ptsd in the military and stuff but never really thought about emts so that's really unique yeah that's they're definitely in that and when you think about it, like, of, of course they are, right? Like, and I, mm -hmm. I did the same thing, Chris, I hadn't really included them. Like, oh, they're, they're in it too. And firefighters, no. like I've heard from multiple firefighters, you, you can't unlearn what it is to, or unsee, right. Yeah. What it is to come across a body that's been burned to death. Like yeah. it's the smells and the sounds that tend to be more haunting than the sights, but the sights certainly don't help. But yeah. yeah and I, I worked with veterans as well too. So it's, a lot and again it's that same spun up nervous system there mm -hmm. that is really um that really starts to be that indicator there and those things that i mentioned earlier you know another one is if you're working out to a point of like almost hurting yourself instead of health reasons because you have to work out that may be another sign that there's something in your nervous system that's ready to come out well, this has been really insightful what haven't we uh, talked on or touched on about what you do that i haven't asked you about I think you touched on most of it. Um, I did have a freebie that I wanted to offer so people can try this out for themselves. So if you go to katierigley.com forward slash Chris Foss, I've got an anxiety hack video out there. Download it. It'll take the edge off. Some of my clients have done this and this said that it's cut their anxiety in half. It's less than five minutes. So go grab it, katierigley.com forward slash Chris Foss and grab your free anxiety hack and it's a couple of principles of cognitive movement without using the ball but it can knock just take the edge off right there there you go we'll put that link up on the chris voss show i've gone ahead and saved it there and uh people can check it out um it, it's it's great that things are out there um like this because like i say we just placate the pain or medicate the pain and we don't fix the reason 
or the pain. We're just kind of yeah. like, well, I'll make it go away for a way. I did that with vodka for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I was medicating pain. I was having some pretty good fun, and it was a great energy source for when I was younger where you're just like, hey, I, I'm tired. I want to work on all these companies I own and go a little bit further. You know, sometimes it was great for Friday and Saturday partying, uh, dating. Uh, but, you know, after a while, your, your body's just like, hey, we're not doing this with you anymore. Like, you could do this when you're 20. You can rebound it, but uh, here's some nice hangovers for you. Boom. And you're yeah. just like, I don't, <laughs> this isn't worth it anymore. The trade off is not worth it. Um, and, and even then, the damage to your body, I, I really recommend people. I know I hate to be one of those guys like, you shouldn't drink anymore. People are like, oh, what are, what are you, Mormon? Uh, no, I just, seriously, you're 55, man. You, you start feeling the damage and the, the stuff that you did and you start feeling the road, man, that road, those road miles start wearing on you where you're just like, yeah, I, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you feel those road miles right when you get up sometimes. Right. It's like, I woke up a couple weeks ago. I'm like, I feel like today is one of those days that I'm feeling the mistakes I made in my twenties. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. But at least you can deal with the emotional trauma things. You've got the oh, skills yeah. to do that. It's just, yeah. you know, so the body is, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a vehicle, man. Yeah. Take care of it. That's the point of uh, maybe stop drinking now. We still can and eat healthy, man. I tell you, I feel so good now, not drinking, eating healthy, uh, doing my intermittent fasting. You know, I went out last night and uh, had a, had a steak, kind of ate some little fatty stuff there. But uh, I had intermittent fast earlier the day, and today I'm intermittent fasting again. I think we're 16 or 18 hours in right now in nice. our fast. So, and I feel good. I really do. I, I really enjoy it. But you've got you've to get your body into that thing. Uh, so, Katie, tell people how they can onboard with you one more time, uh, get to know you, reach out, any free consultations or whatever uh, you offer people, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. You can go to katierigley.com, and on any page, you can schedule a virtual chat. I also have a banner on the top of the page that has my cell phone number on there. You can text me, call me, reach out anytime. We'll get some time on the calendar to talk if I'm not available when you initially reach out. See how I can help you. I'll give you an honest answer and we'll take it from there. Um, you can also connect me on the socials through the slash Chris Voss page as well. So feel free to follow me on socials. I've starting to do some more lighter, funnier posts. So if you're going to follow me on social, this is the time to do it. I'm going to have a bedhead competition picture pretty soon. Ah, I want to see some good bedhead coming back. I could win that. That's the reason we <laughs> wear the hat. And we're just, <laughs> I'm always hiding my bedhead hair. But, uh, you know, it was funny. I used to have people tell me sometimes when they would see my bed hair at my office, they'd be like, you know, that actually looks fashionable. You actually look like you're cool. You got the... <laughs> <laughs> what the kids do now with the hair going all the way play all you need to do is put some uh grease in there whatever they call it the gel and yep. uh people won't know that's bed hair they'll just think you're really spiky and cool like i don't know billy idol or something so there you go there you go uh but those are that was back in the drinking days too uh <laughs> <so> <laughs> the drunken bedhead so i probably could have won that competition one time so thank you very much katie for coming on boy we sure learned a lot today i've learned some new terms too i'm still trying to get it down the cogno movement you got and, it and uh there you go and different ways but hopefully people can uh if you have trauma folks please deal with it as soon as possible trust me don't want to wait 50 years for it because i mean look at me I'm a poster child for it. Uh, thanks, Spaghetti, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. 
Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. It's been awesome. There you go. Thanks, Monitors, for tuning in. We couldn't do it without you either. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, uh, the Chris Foss LinkedIn newsletter, the Chris Foss 130,000 group. Subscribe to that over there as well. And go to our new thing we've got uh, so you can have a chat with me uh, on Facebook at, uh, what is it, uh, ChrisFossFacebook.com. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.